Welcome to Younger Older. I'm Dave Wager, your host here in the studios at Silver Birch Ranch on the campus of the Nicolay Bible Institute. Once again, I encourage you to go to those websites, silverbirchranch.org or nicolaybibleinstitute.org and check out those programs because we would love to serve you in a one-year college program here or in a camping program at Silver Birch Ranch or at a discipleship retreat at the Wolf River Refuge, one of our properties right up the road. And we're also advocating very strongly in the years to come for foster care. We work with children, and we understand that there's a great need in our nation to take care of the foster care children because it seems like they're the the orphans of our day. And uh, we're going to continue our discussion with uh, Mike Jewell, who is our business manager here at Silver Birch Ranch, and I'm Dave Wager and been here like forever, so I have different hats that I wear, and today I got a radio hat. Uh, or a podcast right. hat, so that's that's, right. that's what I'm wearing today. Mike, you have been involved in foster care for how many years? Well, about four years. Yeah, four years. And and why did you start? Well, I actually started getting involved because uh, uh, my daughter and her husband uh, decided to become foster parents. So they went through the whole process of uh, you got to go through the county, you got to be, you got to have a home inspection, you got to have a background check, you got to have. All the things that it takes about, oh, I'd say half a year to get through that whole system uh, to get trained as a foster parent. Okay. And uh, so they went through that process and uh, they brought their first uh, foster child into the home. And that little girl uh, uh, broke my heart. Uh, she was uh, just less than two years old. Um, and we... I'm being careful here of how much sure. I detail. Let's put, let's put it this way. She was she was sexually abused as a two-year-old. Hmm. And um, and this they'd take this little girl and uh, they'd put her to bed at night and she would scream uh, just, you know, she just barely started talking by this time. And she would just scream, get off me, get off me, get off me. And they weren't doing anything. They were just putting her in bed. Hmm. And uh, so she, it was, it was just very traumatic to look at, to, to get to know her. Uh, and I, frankly, we bonded. Mm-hmm. I, I, you know, I looked at her as a daughter. Sure. You know, after a while, I could see this pain in her life. And I could see her pulling, uh, you know, pulling away from other people. But I wouldn't, I, I, would, I would still just, you know, steer into her uh, you know, emotionally, uh, steer into her telling her how much uh, I cared about her, telling her how much God loves her, uh, telling her how much that uh, she, she means and she has a purpose in this world. And um, even at two years old, that, that takes a very, um, uh, what I want to say, uh, discipline because sure. she doesn't understand what you're necessarily trying to tell her, but by your actions, by holding her, by uh, telling her it's okay, by she gets upset with with something around her, and she's crying, and you're you're just putting her on her your shoulder and and telling her it's okay. You know, I'm here. I'll, I'll you know you don't have to worry about this. Right. And we really we really connected uh, very very deeply, and I realized, and so did did uh, the family. Uh, you know the uh, you know my daughter and her husband. Uh, everybody kind of rallied around this little girl. Um, we saw other um, foster. How long was that girl with you? A uh, little, uh, almost two years in the in the family. And where'd she go after she? Well, here's you? here's what happened. It was kind of a neat story as you look through it. Um, <clears throat> we had another family in our church that were standing back and just watching this, you know, 
and they got to know uh, uh, they got to know uh, my uh, daughter very very closely and her husband, and uh, so they became friends. And they asked the question point blank, uh, what, what's the next step for her? Well, mom and dad were going to have their parental rights terminated. And at that time, it was very close to happening. Mm. And what which, which that means is they put her up for adoption. And, uh, and so we were, as we were talking about uh, that process and how that was happening, this other family uh, said, uh, you know, we adopted our daughter. And she's now, she's probably now 15 and as a baby. And, uh, boy, maybe we should look at adopting her. Can we do that? And, uh, well, then, then it shifts from, it's kind of a God story here because that's, that process is not up to the foster parents. Right. <laughs> they can't decide who the, who this, who this little girl goes to. But, um, um, so what we, we, we started praying about it and away we went to the, the parental rights were terminated, and they offered it up to the to the uh, judge and the social services with, through a judge hearing that they would like to have this opportunity to adopt her. And uh, they went back to an uh, uh, adoption agency that they worked with when they adopted their first daughter, and they said, sure, we could work this through. And they connected with, uh, with the county and the judge, and they made the connections, and they started going through a process, the adoption process with her. Wow. So now I get to see her almost every Sunday oh, fun. at church, and she runs down the hall and calls me Grandpa and, and jumps in your arms. And it's just, I tell you, it's, it's a beautiful story. Uh, she's, you know, a little over four now, and uh, I, just, I, I just love that little gal. Yeah. But I know that because the church was behind her, this other family was was involved in our, in the process, learning about her and wanting them to adopt her. Um, you know, God was in it all, yeah. and she's going to be she she's not going to be one of those st- uh, statistics. You yeah. can tell uh, she is a happy little gal right now, and uh, and it's it's fun to still have a connection with her. Yeah. Well, you know, you you said earlier, at least I think we were off the air, but you said. There's about 500,000 in the country in that the are country, fostering yeah. her. Yeah. Well, you know, you can't make a difference for 500,000, but you can make a difference for that one. That's and, right. And we will never be held accountable for what we cannot do. Right. We're going to be held accountable for what we can yeah. do. And it looks like God used your broken heart and, and your daughter and her husband's sensitivity and this couple at church and combined it all to give this young girl some hope. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and, this, and, that's, and that's the power of, of God working through the church to touch the lives of these foster kids. And I think people underestimate what God can do. Yep. And, uh, and there's, there's, sure, there's some fear. Do we take this on? A lot of, a lot of foster parents say, well, I'll get so attached to that foster kid and they end up leaving. I mean, it'll devastate me, that type of thing. And you come to a point as a foster parent that uh, if they leave and if they're adopted or however, or they go back to their biological parents, and that pain is going to be real, okay? And you don't want to be a foster parent that just goes through, well, I'm not going to emotionally connect with this foster child because they're going to leave one day, yeah. and, I, and I don't want to get hurt. Right. You actually have to make the decision right up front that if I'm going into the fostering, I'm going to be willing to be hurt and the, uh, because it's going to happen. When that ki- child leaves your home and you've connected to it, but that, that child needs that emotional bond that only you can supply as a foster parent to that child for them to be successful in life. You have to be willing to take the hurt and, and you know, that's going to 
that's going to happen when that foster child leaves. And uh, we got another little a little guy that uh, was in, our, in my, my daughter's family. She, um, uh, her, the, the little guy's, uh, fa- excuse me, their grandparents took guardianship of him. Well, the grandparents are 70 and 75 years old. Yeah. And they know, and this guy is, is again, I think he's around four or five now. And, um, and they, he comes over every Friday and to my, to my daughter's home and plays with the kids. And, you know, they see him every week. Sure. And, uh, now grandma wants my, you know, my daughter to take, uh, guardianship of him. Sure. She wants my daughter and, and her husband to raise him, you know, right. down the road. That's what she is lobbying for because they know they may not be around necessarily. And, you know, and this is very emotional and tough stuff to, to work through and consider. Um, but to say, I don't want to be in fostering cause I don't, I don't want to deal with that. You know, you know, Christ didn't want to go to the cross <laughs> Yeah. necessarily you know so but he did it on our behalf because he loves us yeah. and you have to take the same the same gospel position with these foster kids it's going to hurt there's going to be problems there's going to be issues it's okay you know it, it's it god will, will meet you in the midst of it all and you know life is seasonal uh, because oh yes in any relationship i don't care what it is there's going to be some tremendous pain if you're in any relationship yeah. You know, uh, our family went through some cancer this year. And as I was thinking about it, I was thinking, you know, God, the most painful moment for me will be if my wife leaves this planet. Yeah. Yeah. So would it have been better if I didn't love her all these years and not have her a part of my life? No. No. Exactly In fact, right. when you start to guard your heart against pain, you, you destroy the, the any hope of any relationships you're ever going to yeah. have that are deep. Yeah. Because when people are no longer a part of your life for whatever reason it might be, the relationship there will cause you some emotional pain oh, yes. at that point. Oh, yeah. And, and just look what our sin does to God. Right. You know, but still he forgives us and gives us grace yep. and mercy because he loves us right. in the process. And he, he feels that pain. It's there. It's real. But we, uh, you know, he, he, still, he still wants to grow us. Uh, closer to his son yeah. in the process, so it's the same way in fostering. You know, you got to be willing to deal with it and go through it and exhibit that love of Christ uh, to that foster child as you're stepping through it. That's that's so important. Yeah, I think it's really important that a young person get that connection with somebody when they're very young, because if they're not getting it at their, their biological home, all oh, right, and, and then they need to see it because even later in life, when they hear about the way it's supposed to be, it could twinge of memory you know all of yeah. a sudden there's this memory of boy it's with this family and they loved each other they loved me and and they even cried when i left and boy that's not like the family that i originally had yeah. or even the family i'm in now or something so god could use that connection oh, down very, the road. very very much so because you sit back and when the family that was supposed to love them didn't right. okay and then they move into this family that does is capable of god's love uh, and 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 passing it on to others and to each other, they're going to react. Right. You know, they, they this is strange stuff. This is not how the world works in their world in their world and where they came out of. So, <clears throat> but they're going to like it. Yeah. Well, if, they need to hear a different worldview. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's right. And they're going to get they get to, as they grow, especially in those years. You know, I we I I kind of think from four to to eight, nine, ten in that range. 
you see you see these uh, the the thoughts that are worldview thoughts starting to get formed. Yeah, and it's always formed under under the in the area where they have uh, whoever has the most influence on them. Yeah, and if that foster parent has the most influence on them, and they're going to church every day, and they're going or excuse me not every day but every every week, every week and uh, and they're going to church and they're seeing other people. And they're hearing the the Sunday school programs. They're hearing the uh, the prayers at home. They're hearing uh, you know discussions going on b- between adults on um, biblical things. You know that right. whatever may be going on. And especially if they see dad stepping up to the plate and leading his family in love, um, man, they don't forget it. They don't forget it. They they want to come back to it. Um, I got a story of, of a young man was very very dysfunctional home that he was in and he's struggling big time um with his mom and there's this christian family that lived next door and frankly he started spending time with uh, their son and started having meals there started spending all, uh, lots of, sometimes overnight events there sure. they they basically raised him to where he grown up now he's in medical school right now uh, t- can we, can we, becoming a doctor because these folks showed him that he was worth it. Yeah. He was worth it. He was the, we could invest in you and uh, no matter what happens, and his mom is a wreck. And yeah. she's a single mom. Uh, his two sisters are a wreck. And, uh, but this young boy, because the family next door said, hey, we'll show you who Christ is. And uh, and went ahead and did that. Yeah. It made a difference. Absolutely. And that's all we're asking as we look at when we talk in the churches. Make the opportunities available for the people in your church, not only to foster but to support foster parents, or to make a difference in these kids' lives. Because yeah. uh, you have the, the gift that they need desperately. These foster kids need to be able to succeed in life. And we're sitting there in our churches, you know. It's right there in the Bible. Yeah. Give it to them. And this is a mission field that's right there. Oh, yeah. You don't have to you, go you, anywhere. You don't have to go anywhere. You don't have to do a great fundraiser or anything else. And that's not to minimize foreign missions. It's just this is a mission field that's right in our backyard. Right. We shouldn't neglect it. Yeah, exactly right. And I guarantee you, if you're a church leader listening to this, and you get involved in supporting uh, the, the foster parents and the foster network in whatever way you can, um, your church is going to be a different church yeah. because you're going to hear it. They're going to hear about it within the church. You're going to have other families offering help. You're going to be, you're going to grow. And whenever you serve, I tell you, oh, it's going to change you. It's it going is. to change your church. And all of a sudden that becomes, you know, <laughs> people start talking about what the church isn't doing and should be doing to, Hey, look what we can do. Yeah. And away you go and you, the focus then changes and it's outward and God's love is spread, and it's it's a powerful thing to watch uh, church culture change. Yeah, I wonder what children would say the focus of your church is if you ask them, because I think sometimes what happens is adults get together and they they write up all these profound purpose statements and everything, and and yeah. the, you know what they want is the church members to be able to uh, re- recite the purpose statement back to you know everybody and say this is what we're about. But I wonder if children if they were asked what is the church about what they would say uh, that's a good point uh you know because i think what would you want them to say is yeah, if it, you're a church leader and, and does your church actually reflect that yeah because i think what they you know they're going to say whatever they experience so every church is going to be different absolutely okay? you know so 
so you got to look at your children's ministry, not only that, but how they, well, what's going to override the children's ministry is going to be the what happens in the home. Right. Okay, so there's a lot of interconnection here. I'm yeah, well, you know what's between... interesting is years ago I challenged some parents to ask their children that around supper. Sure. And, and I used, you're, you're, you grew up in a farm family? Yep, did. So sure did. What, what I used was the idea of a focal point. In, in a farm family, there's a focal point. Was your farm a, a dairy farm? Uh, and a hog farm, yes, both. Dairy and hog. So basically, there's a focal point on a farm, and if it's a dairy farm, it's usually the cows. Yeah. They, they need to be cared for. They need to be milked. They, you know, during, I, I remember there were times, and I don't think they do that anymore up here, but I think there were times, you know, during haying season, football teams didn't work out. Because, you know, the, the farm kids who were all on the football team needed yep. to hay. And, and the focal point for the family were the cows. During milking hours, you got to be home. Right? Right. The folk, now, things are different, I understand today. That, not that the focal point's different. Technology's different. The size of farms are different. They hire people. You know, so it, it's different that way. But years ago, the family farm, there was a focal point. And if you were to ask a kid that grew up on the farm, on the farm like yourself, mm-hmm. what is the focal point of this, if, if they understood sure. what focal point was? Right. And you say, what is the focal point of this farm? The, you know, they would most likely answer the cows. Yeah, you know, that's I mean, true. They, yep. they need to be taken care of. So, so families had a focal point. When I grew up, my family had a very definitive focal point. We served. Mm-hmm. There was no doubt that our family was a family that served. If if the bat my dad was a pastor if the bathroom needed cleaning Dave go in there and clean it you know what I mean why because we served you know we served at camps we served at, we served that's what mm-hmm. we did I didn't say I liked it as a kid by the way but I knew what our focal point was as a family right now right. I think churches too have a focal point and and the most innocent of the church are the ones that could probably tell you what it is yeah that's if true if you ask them yep and and the focal point really of a church should be, you know, loving each other, loving God. Uh, yeah. For us in, in the ministry at Silver Birch Ranch, it's to know Christ, to make him known. That, that's our, you know, we've wanted to keep it very simple. And uh, children need to be loved. Yeah. They, they need to be guided. They need to have examples around them. And, and really, significant other adults in a family are very important. Yeah. And, the, you know, in our case, in our family, I mean, fostering has become our focal point. You know, and it's something that even the the even the the my biological four year old can uh, get his head around, right? Because he knows that 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 nine year old that's in the that's in the family right now as a foster child yep. uh, is is not permanent, but that you know that foster child needs to be loved just like all the other kids in the family are loved, and uh, it's a it's a he knows what that what that means. And in the ed- educational realm of things. The, the idea of a sig- significant other adult is extremely important. Oh, yes. Because here's what happens. In a church, for example, um, my friends might have kids. They come to church. He drops them off. Now I'm there. I become their buddy. Mm-hmm. What I need to do is steer them towards God, towards God's word. And what my friend knows is that he can count on me to do that. Because I'm a different adult. I am a different person. But I'm saying the same thing. I have a different relationship with this child. I'm yeah. not mom or dad. I'm somebody else. Through the years, we have found that the significant adult relationship that a child has is extremely important in their development. Yes. So it, so that's why at school, when a teacher who becomes a significant other adult goes against the parents and, and values or whatever it might be, it matters. Because oh. these significant other adults 
it matters in their life. So with, with a child that's in foster care, so your daughter, your son-in-law, they have the children in foster care, the, they become the significant adults in, in this child's yep. life. Now, what the church gets to do is provide significant other adults that aren't in that relationship with them yeah. to help. And you become that as well. The child comes to your house, your grandma, your wife's grandma, your grandma, your grandpa, <laughs> your wife's grandma, you know. And so it's a right. different relationship there. And you can do a little bit of different things and say it a little differently. But your daughter is counting on you. Yes. To, to say the right things. And to support them. To support them and what they're yep, doing. And that, exactly. that's where the significant adult relationships come in. And really, when you understand this, you begin to see the importance of um, the church and how it works. Yeah. Uh, Christian Campion is a great example that you, you take an adult. He comes up to camp. He lives in a cabin with, let's say, he brought a bunch of eight-year-old boys, and his son is an eight-year-old boy. And, and, and he comes up with a bunch of eight-year-old boys. They horseback ride. They zip line. They swim together. They laugh together. You know, that adult that became a counselor becomes one of their best friends. Yes. And now this adult is in your corner. That's why you want someone from your church to come up to counsel a camp, to be in the cabin, and that kind of thing. Very important. Yeah. And so the church needs to look at their role, their, fo- their focal point, the, the idea of significant adult relationships that are not just singular in a family mm-hmm. and see how that all fits together in the pie. Yeah, I think, you're, I think the church misunderstands the power they have in making that happen. Right. I, I told in our last in our last podcast about the little girl that was adopted at our church and she still calls me grandpa. Right. Well, I was able to create that role uh, with that little girl. And, uh, you know, I remember going to her uh, adoption hearing when uh, she actually got her name changed and a new birth certificate issued and, and everything else in her new name. And you sit back and you just you just sit back and say, you know, thank you, Lord. Look what you've done. And look how you changed this little girl's life. And it's nothing I did except being available for her to, to hold her, to hug her, to, to just tell her that she has great value in my eyes, but even more value in God's eyes. Right. And it's, it, it's, it sounds easy. It can be hard, but you, don't, you welcome it. You, yeah, welcome, and, and you remember, welcome the difficulties. Yeah, remember, these children were taken from their home because they were either not being provided or it was unsafe yes. for them. Yes. So now they get put into an environment where they could be in a church, and as they see this church, now technically everybody in that church is somebody that's thinking about what's best for them and caring for them and making sure that they're, they're, they're thinking yes. about what's right for them. That is why any abuse in a church is, is beyond. Oh. It, 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 it just should tick all of us off yep. because the church needs to represent the Lord Jesus Christ in this person's life. And, and that becomes the contrast. The family they got taken from is this way. The family they got went into is this way. And everyone they hang out with at church is this way. Yes. And, and now all of a sudden there's a contrast that's available. Well, what the issue comes, I, that, that new foster child coming into the family or into a church environment, the number one issue they deal with first right out of the bat is trust. Right. Who can I, can I trust these people? They're seeing one thing but they've been exposed throughout their life to neglect or whatever it is over here. And uh, they still love their parents. You know, they're, right. they, that, that, is a, that is a given. And, uh, but they see what's, what could be here. And so they, they're torn. And this tr- they don't know who to trust. Do I, How do long I, does it take to develop trust? 
It's, it's different depending on the amount of uh, trauma the child's been through. Okay. If they've been through a lot of trauma, it'll take longer. You know, uh, if they've been through just uh, a little bit of trauma, well, then, um, you know, it usually can go quicker. Okay. But they will grab it because they still like what they see over here in this in this godly foster family. I right. mean, they like it. And they don't know how to, they, they don't know why they can't behave that same way or they, they and it all comes back to and it w- takes what longer the, the older the child is. Like yes. if a teenager comes into your home as a foster care child, that's a different uh, sk- yeah. set of skills than a, a, a baby <clears throat> that comes into your home. Yeah, the teenagers. Oh yes, that's a whole different type of process. We've only, we've had uh, most of the foster children coming through my family have been uh, under ten years old. Okay. Okay. So there hasn't we have we've had uh, I've done respite care for a couple different teenagers. And um, very different uh, dealings. They've been through many, many different foster homes. They've been through uh, uh, different uh, traumas, and they they are very hardened. And um, so, just caring for their needs doesn't cut it. Right. You know that you can do with the little kids. You know, and they become trusting because you give them what they need: food, clothing, uh, you know, shelter. Uh, uh, that's where it all starts. With the teenager, um, it's all about what can I get from you, right? And they'll they'll go after the foster parents of very selfish usually. Yeah, I've even and heard teenagers that have been in foster care tell the parents, "Well, you get paid for this. I should have this. I should have that." Exactly. Yeah, uh, no, and, it, and it, they're just focused on that, and well, it's very and, difficult. And the system trains them because, in a way, that it's all about uh, uh, it's all about them. And by the time they get to be a teenagerhood, they know that, yeah, I'm I'm different. Uh, you know, why do I want to, you know, believe in God? I don't have to. Right. Because that, that's, there's, there's a standard behavior standard. Yeah, and look what God did to me. I got a crummy right. family and throw yeah. me around from family to family. I still want to indulge in all these other things I, that happen at school or whatever it is. I don't want to be taken away from that, so I'm not going to trust these people. And you, you have this back and forth. It's a very different type of, uh, of a ministry. However, you know, and you know, here, come bring them to a place like Silver Birch, and they're out of their element, and they hear the truth of God's word. It's really the only thing they have going for them at that age is God's spirit at work in their hearts to provide that truth to their heart, and they can be changed. Yeah. But it's a you, it's a different approach. Yeah. Well, you know, we have some resources that could help you. We we've actually got a podcast called Foster Family Connect. You can go to silverbirchranch.org and find out how to get there from there. Yeah. And uh, this will uh, just help you understand some of the things from the Bible that will yeah. will allow you to be encouraged as a foster parent, as a parent of normal kids. Normal, not meaning that, but in a normal family situation. Right. Yeah. Because we got through uh, at our fosterfamilyconnect.org uh, website, you can... Um, uh, go to a whole study in the book of Ephesians. There you go. In our podcast. And that talks about those, you know, all those behaviors and everything else you deal with. Yep. And, you know, you can write us and we'll send you a book that we wrote called My Shepherd. And uh, we'd be glad to do that. It's a book that you can read with foster care kids. You can give it mm-hmm. to them and it gives them the gospel and it goes through Psalm 23. Yeah. We'd love to provide that for you. But you got to write us uh, or email us with an address to send it to you and we'll get on that. Uh, we're so thankful for the opportunity to encourage people to just be Christ-like in, in our culture. The government, you can't trust in. You can't trust in programs that are godless. They just aren't going to work. Those of us that know God, we need to know Christ and make him known and help the next generation be stable. 
I'm Dave Wager here, and I'm with Mike Jewell. We're in the studios at Silver Birch Ranch on the campus of the Nicolay Bible Institute. Goodbye for now.